Hey folks, Jared here today. Walker's your host. He's joined by Sheffield University's own Dr. Maurice Bassang to discuss IUU fishing and maritime security in Cameroon's waters. This episode was edited and produced by Dr. Ed Salo. Speaking of audio editors, we're looking to add to our team, so if you're interested, please email us at ccontrol at simsec.org with your resume. Simsec, we believe victory in the maritime domain starts with great ideas communicated compellingly. Right, fight, win. Beginning with Giving Tuesday and going through now, this will be the last one of these announcements until next holiday season, we're holding our annual Right, Fight, Win holiday donation campaign to support Simsec into the new year. Simsec's proud to say since our founding, our content has been free and always will be, especially as more websites build paywalls or pursue intrusive advertising. We hope those in the Simsec community who value our free no-ad model will consider supporting us with monthly donations. I also want to take a minute to highlight, uh, as this episode goes live, we will have crossed over 200,000 downloads since we restarted the podcast. So a huge thanks to our large team of hosts and editors for everything that you do to put out a quality product, as well as all of our guests, uh, without whom the podcast wouldn't be possible. So all the academics, all the uh, serving military officers, all the policy officials, really appreciate everything you do. Please continue to produce work, and uh, we're happy to highlight it, discuss uh, discuss what you've done with you, so long as it pertains to the sea. Finally, I want to take the opportunity to recommend our partners in the Simsec Podcast Network, the Bilge Pumps. You can find Alex, Jamie, Drack, and Apollo of Iron Brew Bottles wherever you download your podcasts. On that note, I'll turn it over to Kimber's Men. You're listening to Sea Control, hosted by the Center for International Maritime Security. Welcome back aboard the Sea Control podcast from the Center for International Maritime Security. Today we're talking with Dr. Maurice Bissang, a researcher at Sheffield University and a visiting fellow in maritime security at Coventry University. We're going to be talking about his recent article, The Nature and Scope of Illegal, Unreported, and Unregulated Fishing and Fisheries Crime in Cameroon, Implications for Maritime Security, that was published in the journal African Security. Maurice, welcome aboard. Can you go ahead and introduce yourself a bit more formally to our listeners? Thank you so much, uh, uh, Walker, for inviting me to, uh, to this podcast. I've been a, a fan of it. I've followed a few. Like you said, initially, my name is Maurice Besseng. I am a research associate at the Sheffield Institute for International Development, uh, University of Sheffield, and a visiting research fellow in maritime security at Coventry University Center for Trust. And, and social relations. I research broadly on uh, on ocean governance, uh, but more particularly on issues related to the political ecologies of maritime security practices and policies in the Gulf of Guinea, focusing mainly now on Cameroon. In other words, I try to understand concerns related to uh, to issues of equity and justice in contemporary maritime security governance in the Gulf of Guinea. We're glad to have you aboard. Before we start, I'd like to remind our listeners that the opinions presented here are solely our own and, and should not be taken as representative of any of the institutions that we are associated with. So, Maurice, can you start us off by kind of contextualizing the size and the importance of the fisheries um, and, and blue economy sector in, in Cameroon? Cameroon has, uh, I would say, a sizable maritime economy. The fisheries sector in particular is uh, characterized into marine and inland fisheries. Capture fisheries production, for example, in, in 2018 was almost 300,000 uh, metric tons, and 70% of those uh, were, 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 was maritime. Uh, there is also a growing aquaculture sector, 
which in 2018 contributed close to 6,000 tons, up from 3,000 tons in 2014. Marine fishery is therefore the largest contributor of fish, Cameroon, uh, economically, uh, especially and in food security terms, as we are going to explore later. The sector is broadly cut, uh, categorized into um, industrial and small-scale fisheries, and the small-scale sector is also made up of uh, the semi-industrial and traditional artisanal fishery uh, sectors. That's the difference is just in the size of um, semi-industrial and traditional artisanal, uh, the size of the boat used. Uh, semi-industrial also run on, on engine, which is about 40 horsepower. And the, the traditional artisanal fishery is most uh, locally dock canoes that are driven by sail or, or paddle. Um, nationally, in terms of economic importance, uh, the fishery sector since 2016, I would say, contributes on average about 3% of Cameroon GDP, which in 2019 was just over uh, 39 billion US dollars. And in terms of employment, it is also a significant uh, employer uh, with over, um, I think there are about 34,000 fisher folks uh, working in the sector. And um, Within that, uh, women also make up a significant majority in terms of um, the employment it offers to, uh, uh, say, fish processing, sales, and, um, and, uh, and, and distribution around the country. And in terms of its uh, uh, food and nutritional value, it's also significant. Uh, protein sources from fish is, is more than uh, those from animal protein. Um, so it's, uh, it's quite significant, especially for coastal communities who only depend on fish as their major source of protein. Regionally, I would say the importance of the sector is that Cameroon is quite unique in the sense that the sector is dominated by foreign fishers, artisanal, uh, small-scale fishers in, in particular. Um, there are over 80, 80% of the, pop of the people who fish in Cameroonian uh, waters in the small-scale sector. Uh, from, from different countries, mainly Nigeria, which make up about 70%, as the uh, Ghanaians, Benin, uh, and Togolese nationals fishing. So you see that it, it, the sector provides employment for so many uh, uh, Africans in, in the sub-region. Most of the fish, of course, that is produced in Cameroon, because of this, of its international nature, I would say, uh, regional nature, is, is destined for export to these countries. So it helps to feed uh, uh, the population in other countries providing vital source of protein. I think we're going to explore these issues further, but that just gives you the context of the importance of the sector to Cameroon. So your article focused on maritime crime and fisheries crime. So now, can you kind of describe the challenges um, and, and, and the criminal activities that you see um, or you saw in your, in your research in Cameroon that, that kind of threaten the sector? Just before I elaborate more on, 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 on the thread, it's just to give you the significance of the Cameroon maritime space and why that significance, I would say, also attracts um, a, a lot of challenges uh, uh, nationally and even regionally. Um, even though Cameroon has a relatively very small maritime space compared to neighbors like Nigeria and Equatorial Guinea, for example, uh, the coastline is only 402 kilometers long. A continental shelf of about 10,000 kilometers and exclusive economic zone of about 15,400 kilometers square. But, you know, its location, it is strategic. You know, it is the midpoint between West and Central Africa. And um, uh, it's a gateway to most of the economies, especially for landlocked, uh, landlocked countries in Central African region, especially Chad and Central African Republic. 
Cameroon, Port of Kribi, and Douala plays a pivotal role in, in terms of supplying goods and services to these uh, land, landlocked countries. If you consider that over 90% of goods destined for Central Africa, uh, Af Central African Republic passed through the Cameroonian ports of Douala. So that, 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 that underlines some of its uh, uh, significant terms of the maritime space. But yeah, but this strategic, I would say, advantages also brings um, challenges, mainly in security terms. Focusing on, on, on the fishery sector, for example, which my article was based on, mainly uh, the issue of uh, illegal, unreported, and unregulated fishing and fisheries crime. Uh, I demonstrated there that they are, they, are, they are intertwined, they can be interrelated. For, for example, uh, uh, I would say previously, about say, five, ten years ago, uh, the issue of uh, cocaine trafficking along Cameroon coast was really. Uh, spoken of, you know, but but now those are recurring issues. You know, uh, locally held officials are concerned about drug trafficking, and and the, and the increased use of of cocaine within within Cameroon society, especially among the youth, that comes mainly through the ports and fishing vessels. In my experience, uh, as I as I discovered, are being used increasingly to transport drugs from one, uh, say, from uh, um, Latin America into Douala port, which is then shipped on to other countries within the sub region and then even to Europe. So um, the challenges that the fishing sector uh, uh, encounters in terms of, um, of illegal fishing related to other crimes is that most vessels, most industrial fishing vessels, either or, or mean, um, uh, artisanal fishing vessels, either because they are not, either because they're fishers are lacking or are not able to fish anymore. So they're using their skills uh, and assets to engage in, in say, illegal smuggling of goods between Cameroon and Nigeria and other countries within the sub-region, illegal immigration, for example, and, uh, and the issue of, 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 of contraband goods that are being used for illegal trade in the, in, in the sub-region. So Cameroon is quite pivotal in, in enforcing or enhancing their illegal criminal activities. It's really interesting, especially the piece about cocaine that you mentioned, because that's usually something that we would associate with the Caribbean or or the Eastern Pacific, and we don't talk a lot about uh, flows from Latin America into into Africa. I want to ask, kind of as a as a follow up, is Cameroon uh, emblematic of other countries in the Gulf of Guinea? I mean, do they have kind of the same challenges or does Cameroon have a separate set or a more unique set of challenges than other countries in the region? Broadly, uh, uh, they are quite similar, but I would say Cameroon, Cameroon case is a bit unique in the sense that, um, in the sense because of its strategic location and because the sector is dominated by uh, Mostly foreign, or I mean, the fishing sector is dominated by mostly foreign fishes. It provides an extra challenge in terms of the nature of the crime and, and efforts to police, to police them, if you understand what I mean. So, for the past years, since 2015, for example, I've been documenting um, different reports of criminal activities uh, within Cameroon Maritime Area. Mainly, I'm drawing those data from the Navy's uh, uh, online reports and my discussion with some Navy officers. Um, you see, piracy is quite 
muted in the sense. You know, since 2015, I've been documenting those, those crimes. I have now in my record, in my database, over uh, 60 incidents of reported crime by the Navy, particularly from the Navy, and a few online reports. But in those 60 uh, uh, records, just two are pi piracy related. So the, the rest is either illegal immigration, illegal smuggling of goods, uh, uh, drugs, uh, uh, or arms, uh, and then the, the rampant uh, uh, trading of, uh, of contraband fuel, which is quite uh, significant in the sense. So, and, and then the transnational nature of the crime, you know, uh, uh, using the fishery sector in that respect presents the challenge in policing because of the social network networks between uh, uh, the, the, the fishers in Cameroon and their international uh, and their international uh, uh, networks, say, say Nigerian fishers and their networks in Nigeria, or Togolese fishers and their networks in Togo. Uh, uh, same for, for, for Ghana and, and Benin. So that presents an, an extra challenge for police. So yeah, the, the, the crimes are, are, are similar to other areas, but maybe in terms of intensity and the way it is being conducted is, is a bit different and challenging. Yeah. You said in your article that overfishing and, and IUU fishing can make it more difficult for artisanal fishers to make a living and that can kind of drive them into into more criminal activity. Can you talk a little bit about that connection between other types of maritime crime and uh, IUU fishing? Let's look at the notion of fisheries crime. Uh, no fisheries crime seeks to capture the range of criminal activities that occur along the fisheries value chain. Isn't it? So um, uh, we have uh, this, there's a distinction between fishery-related crimes, which are crimes linked to fishing operations per se, uh, that uh, like uh, corruption, forged fishing licenses, tax crimes, inappropriate working conditions within the fishing industry, and then those that are associated to the sector, you know, like um, uh, using fishing vessels to traffic uh, uh, humans, drugs, and then using that to stage uh, uh, piratical attacks along the coast of Cameroon, for example. So those are the, those are some of the crimes that can be linked. Uh, to IU fishing or within the fishing industry for, uh, uh, in that sense. Talking to fishers, you know, because I've had, um, uh, uh, I think I, I have a, a unique position in the sense that uh, I lived in, in, in one of those communities while, when I was a child growing up. Uh, my uncle was, uh, was, uh, uh, was a local artisanal fisher. So I understand the situation, how things were say, a few decades back and what it is now. And um, and you get the sense, the frustration, talking to, to local artisanal fishers that if they can't go fishing, what do they have left to do? You know, it is, it is a situation where they have the assets, they have the skills, they understand the, the, the terrain. For most uh, foreign artisanal fishers, some will, will return to their home countries, but those who have already made a home in Cameroon, they have to look for alternative ways to live. That's when some can use, you know, they, they will not admit directly to me that they were using their fishing boats to, to siphon fuel, but, but you get a sense that when push comes to shove, they, they will have to do that to, to survive. So looking at Navy, Navy reports, there have been a lot of interception of vessels that are trafficking arms, using fishing vessels to, to, to traffic uh, uh, drugs. Uh, and the, the, the issue with arms 
is particularly concerning in, uh, in the part of Cameroon where I was doing my research. You know, there is a current um, conflict going on between the Francophone and the, and, and the English parts of the country. So uh, the army officers are quite worried about that link between fishers in Cameroon, uh, Nigerian fishers were in Cameroon and their social links in Nigeria because they know that, that can, they can use that networks to, to smuggle arms into Cameroon, which can be destined to the, um, to the, to the groups who are fighting the government for uh, different political agendas. So, so, so the fishing industry is quite key in terms of, I would say, national security issues in Cameroon are concerned. So it is quite, it's quite worrying uh, uh, for the government and for local officials within uh, the fishing areas that are close to the Nigerian uh, border, for example. I think that's a, that's a link that we've seen uh, seen others make that that national sec- that national security is tied to uh, fisheries crime and, and especially IUU fishing because of the way it gets mixed up with with other types of maritime crime. So it's interesting that we're we're seeing it in in Africa as well. You made the distinction earlier that there is artisanal fishers and uh, as well as industrial fishing. And is there is there tension there? And then also is there tension between kind of domestic uh, fisher folk and uh, foreign uh, fisher folk coming in and then also foreign vessels coming in? You know, like there's a phenomenon in Kamuna or Palangs that they use to describe the way some Chinese fishers fish, say Chinese fishing, you know, uh, because for, for for some artisanal fishers, they, they see Chinese industrial fishers come to local markets to survey the situation. Uh, that's the size of fish. Uh, then they'll understand where the fish come from, so that they will go there, they mainly fish at night, so they will go there and then catch catch the fish. So that is creating tension between the two communities. And small scale fishers also believe that um, uh, 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 industrial fishers are protected by um, by the Navy where, where, when they go out for monitoring and control of operations. And that is largely because those involved um, to fish industrially in Cameroon, you must have a partnership with a local Cameroonian entrepreneur. And most of those partners are wealthy elites, you know, who, who, who strike deals with these industrial fishers to come and fish because there is no Cameroonian who has an industrial fishing vessel. So most industrial fishing vessels, over 70 of them are foreign. So, and, you know, with this partnership, they have instructions maybe to Navy officers that this is my vessel coming to fish, you have to protect it. And, and so uh, for industrial fishers, it's a frustration that they see, I mean, for uh, small scale fishers, it's a frustration that they see industrial fishers violating uh, uh, laws that have been put in place to protect their resources or their environment, but they are, they are not doing anything to, to counter them. All this is creating tension. I think uh, there is a strong view among artisanal fishers that uh, uh, particularly Chinese industrial fishers, they are not welcome. They are not the only group who are fishing in communal waters. They are also industrial fishers from Nigeria, uh, uh, as far as uh, Taiwan. And I had the opportunity to consult some registry, uh, industrial fishing registry, when I was doing my research. They also vessels registered to Panama, uh, to Greece, and to Russia. So, but the majority are, are Chinese industrial fishing. I think that's super interesting because the role of the Chinese distant water fishing fleet is something I wanted to to ask about. So I think it's interesting that it's not only 
uh, arriving to to fish, but also kind of almost an industrial uh, sector specific espionage mm-hmm. in in local markets. And we did a podcast a couple of months ago about the negative uh, effects that uh, the Chinese distant water fishing fleet is having in, in Gambia, which which seems kind of like a similar a similar situation. So I want to shift now and ask about enforcement. So what does enforcement look like from the uh, Cameroonian military or, or police or maritime sector? Um, and is it effective? Enforcement is challenging, isn't it? Published another paper that looks at um, this issue in, in particular. On, uh, on paper, right, uh, monitoring control and surveillance of fishing activities in Cameroon has to be carried out by the Ministry of Livestock, Fisheries and Animal Industries through what they call the Brigade for Monitoring and Control of Fishing Activities. Uh, that's at the, at the national level. At the regional level now, you have the Fisheries Control Centers or the Fisheries Control Post. But in practice, it is the Navy and the, the Delta Rapid Intervention Battalion Force that does monitoring and control at sea. So um, this shift in this shift, I would say, in um, in the way fisheries operations, for example, are being policed, is uh, I know it, that is all wrapped up in the in the in the response to piracy, but that is having a detrimental effect on, on I would say, on um, an effective fisheries control mechanism in the sense that um, in my research, I discovered that previously, before the military became involved in monitoring fishing activities, for example, the fishery centers were effective. You know, they can do, they can carry out impromptu surveillance, for example, because they, they, they were close to the, uh, uh, the fishers control posts are located within uh, uh, artisanal fishing ports or industrial fishing ports. So they can do impromptu surveillance they understand what they are looking for in terms of violations. Is it the size of fish? Is it are there other activities associated with that? Or but with the, with the navy, you know, the navy will, will maybe um, uh, go out to see see a, a vessel that is. Uh, because I've, I've alluded earlier how artisanal fishers feel that some industrial vessels have been uh, protected. That shift in the navy, I would say, uh, doing monitoring and control now is is. It's a bit, uh, I would say, a wanting in the sense that in the absence of fisheries control officers within the team that is doing surveillance, uh, a lot of crucial evidence is missed in terms of the, the position, uh, the type of fish, the size of fish, uh, other, other uh, evidence that can maybe uh, implicate more uh, such um, vessels if they are doing illegal activity or not is missed, is crucially missed. To me, like I argued in that in that paper, that that can be improved by by doing a mixed team of not only say the navy and the data rapid intervention force officers, but also fisheries officers, fisheries control officers, uh, officers of other uh, departments like the the the, the merchant marine that are involved in vessel safety, uh, those from labor and social insurance that are involved in monitoring uh, labor abuses on board vessels. So. So a crucial evidence is missing if it's the Navy that is mostly involved in that. In your conclusion, you write that threats to fisheries can cause a gradual erosion of, of the locals' way of life. And, and, I, and I thought that was kind of a powerful way to end your, your article. Can you explain kind of the, the long-term effects and the, and the big picture impacts if, if Cameroon isn't able to better kind of control and, and, and address these maritime security issues? 
I, I think I, I think I can best illustrate this by just giving you this uh, this, this, this picture. You know, um, in one of my research uh, a, a trip in um, in Cameroon in a fishing um, uh, a, a village, a fishing artisanal fishing village called Edinao, I met a local fisher. You know, who had just come back from um, from from sea from fishing. He he went fishing. He they left home at about four a.m. with two other fishers. And and they came back uh, at about three three p.m. Now he was showing me on the ground what the catch for the day was about six kilograms of fish, uh, mainly mackerel. Around around that there were women desperately trying to buy from the fish for their own petty businesses. And then he told me that as I can see, there is no fish anymore. We depend on fish to survive. Uh, if I can bring fish home. I can't feed my families. These women can't have enough for their businesses. Uh, this cannot help the boys I took out for fishing with, which means that our families will suffer, their families will suffer, and it cannot continue like this. It was uh, it was quite powerful in the sense that because I looked at him and I looked at the boys, and you know all what I've learned was just there in front of me. You know, I was just thinking, what would these boys do uh, if they go out? two, three times, and then they come back with the same quantity of fish. They have the skills, they have the knowledge, they have, they have access to fishing boats, and, and they know that alternatively, if I use that in first smuggling, I can get more money, I can feed my family. So you see, you see, the, you see the long-term implications of that. Uh, fish scarcity only brings more insecurity, it brings, it brings more pain. Without uh, adequate effort to maybe counter this, there will just be more insecurity as people try every way to survive just to ensure that they can they can meet their livelihood needs. And, and at present it's quite worrying because in the time that I've been in Cameroon, you know, you go along fishing communities, there's 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 some sense of tension in the air. People are agitated, you know. What if I don't have enough today? What will happen? People are threatening protests. That that is that is making the government worry, you know. And the long-term implications of that, if people can can bottle up that that sense of frustration anymore, it can spill out to to, to protests and and then unrest and more insecurity. So. There are efforts to diversify into aquaculture, but that may not be something that many people want. People are, are used to, to fishing, as that's the way they have been, been brought up. They want to continue that tradition. And, and without, without that, it will, be, it, will be, it will be difficult. You've painted a clear case for why, uh, you know, the links between fishing and, and, and national security, at least in that part of the world. Unfortunately, we're, we're just about out of time for today. But before we go, I'd, I'd like to ask you uh, what you're working on now and, and where, if anywhere, our listeners can uh, find you online. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I'm currently working on a project uh, uh, called Africultures. Uh, the project seeks to, um, to enhance food security in, in African agricultural systems with the use of, of remote sensing services. It's, it's quite an interesting project. And has a lot of applicability in the maritime environment, and that's that's why my interest is in it. Alongside this, I'm also carrying out research, looking more into the intersection of maritime crime and livelihood challenges for coastal communities, 
Uh, for example, in my website, uh, uh, I think which you've come across, I'm trying to detail some of these criminal practices, but behind that, I've started to flesh out a literature which will be uh, hopefully submitted for publication soon. My website is mauricebessingone.com. Uh, your listeners can also um, uh, follow me on Twitter or to get some highlights of my recent publication uh, at uh, MU Bessing. Awesome. Well, we look forward to your future work and we'll make sure to throw uh, links to, uh, to your work and your website uh, below the podcast. I'd like to thank my guest again, Dr. Maurice Bassang, for joining us today to talk about his recent article, The Nature and Scope of Illegal, Unreported, and Unregulated Fishing and Fisheries Crime in Cameroon, Implications for Maritime Security. Take care. Wow.